So inquiry-based learning is really, it's, it's, it's getting students to ask questions. It's getting them to be motivated enough and interested enough in what they're learning to be able to ask questions, their own questions, so that they can actually fuel more of their motivation to learn more. And in a language classroom, uh, we're, we're not just teaching language, we're teaching the culture and the people as well as that language. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Christina Rocha joins us from Greece to follow up on her recent talk about inquiry-based language learning. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lukowitz, the LRC's media manager. We have Christina Rocha with us today. Christina is a language educator at the American Community Schools in Athens, Greece. She gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series on inquiry-based language learning. You can watch her full talk on our YouTube channel, and we are excited to extend our conversation here today. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Christina. Thank you so much. So, Christina, to get us started, um, tell us a little bit about your background and your path with languages. Okay, so I am originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, That's where I grew up, and I uh, was born and raised there with a Greek mother and a Chicano father, Mexican-American, and I uh, always was traveling every summer to Greece with my mom, uh, also studying French and Spanish in school, Hmm. and uh, pretty much throughout all of school. Languages and travel were always a big part of my life and very, very interesting, and I was really curious to learn more about people, the cultures, uh, how how different people are between the cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so I I knew I wanted to do something along those lines. I just didn't really know what exactly. And then um, when I went to university, I uh, studied international relations, but I did a, a, let's say, a concentration on both French and Spanish since I was studying both. And when I finished... I wasn't quite sure, you know, what, what, which direction should I go? Um, and I had done some internships in Washington, D.C., and both in political sector as well as with some NGOs, and, but I hadn't tried teaching yet. And when I, I spent my summer in Greece, as usual, <laughs> hmm. I, come back from, uh, I come back from there and I call up the school system and said, okay, what do I need to do, you know, to be a French teacher, for example? And they said, oh, are you available? So I kind of started teaching that way. And right off the bat, I, you know, I rolled myself into an education program, which turned into a master's degree with a focus in uh, leadership and education uh, for foreign languages specifically. And then uh, from there, well, I was teaching. And I was teaching then in a French immersion school in elementary, which was really, really cool. Uh, and then I was asked to also do some Spanish, so I moved, I switched schools, and I started to do both. So I stayed in Baltimore County for about seven years before I then, uh, life took me to Athens, Greece, where I am now. Hmm. And I've been teaching with the American Community Schools for for the past, I think it's now 15 years. Wow. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So your talk on inquiry-based language learning was really fascinating. You covered a lot of ground, gave us a lot of ideas and tips and references. Um, in a nutshell, can you summarize for our audience here, what is inquiry-based learning? So inquiry-based learning is really, it's, it's, It's getting students to ask questions. It's getting them to be motivated enough and interested enough in what they're learning to be able to ask questions, their own questions, so that they can actually fuel more of their motivation to learn more. And in a language classroom, uh, we're, we're not just teaching language. We're teaching the culture and the people as well as that language. I mean, language and, and culture are interconnected. So it's a really great gateway into Uh, teaching intercultural awareness and understanding, and eventually intercommunicative competence. Uh, and uh, this is in within the with the proficiency as well as they are gaining exposure to that. So uh, it's really getting giving them the tools and the environment as well to to be able to ask the questions that they come up with. Uh, give them that freedom. Give them that uh, safe space. Uh, and and let them take ownership. Let mm -hmm. them have that agency of their own learning. Let them become architects of their own learning. Can you tell us a little bit about what inquiry-based learning looks like in the classroom and um, how can we successfully engage our students to ask more questions? Yes, well, I don't... Uh, The thing is with inquiry-based learning, and it's it's a constructivist type of uh, pedagogy mm -hmm. kind of method, and there's no... Um, manual per se of how mm -hmm. to do it, but there's many different types of activities. There's many different types of frameworks that can be followed, many different tasks, and it really depends on what the uh, what the teacher is comfortable with, uh, what the students are comfortable with, uh, what kind of exposure and background that they have, they have already. Um, so, for example, in an introductory classroom where they don't have so much language yet, uh, it might be It might start off in English, uh, if it, depending on what the language is, right? So you start off with the language of communication, uh, and maybe it's cultural, maybe it's not, but even if it's about language, letting them, giving them the tools, like the repetitive, the question words, basically, mm -hmm. uh, so they at least have those repetitive structures. It could also be through videos and songs uh, and, you know, music in general, um, also through a bit of comprehensible input, it just basically repetitive structures, but showing them that and giving them the space. Uh, in, the, in the presentation, I did, I did go through the steps of a QFT, which is the question formulation technique. Now, the QFT can be done in a variety of different ways, which I also um, I showed uh, some different examples. Uh, but this is also a nice way of giving them the structure for how to formulate and be okay with asking whatever question, we're not judging, Ask your questions. Let's and then let's go investigate those questions. But it's letting them know that it's their questions that are being looked up. They're the ones who are saying, "Oh, hey, this is interesting. Let's let's look at this." Okay, yeah, let's. You know, we are in this classroom together. You know what really stood out to me was um, you posed the question to the audience during your talk at the beginning: "Who asks the questions in the classroom?" Yes. And it's actually, I mean, yeah, it's the teacher, right? Rarely, regardless of age of students, rarely do we invite our yeah. students to ask questions. And I, so I think that's, that's a really important reframing. Um, we always talk about student agency yes. and, and making sure that our students know 
how to learn. And, and I think a great way to do that is to get them to ask um, exactly. the questions. Exactly. Um, you also talked about the seas of 21st century language skills, which I found really fascinating because, of course, here within the U.S. context, we're so familiar with the actful five C's. Um, and so you, you basically, this is an expansion and, and you added critical thinking and curiosity. Can yeah. you talk a little bit more about how all of that fits into inquiry-based learning and just, you know, getting students to, to think for themselves and ask for themselves? Yes, yes, definitely. So, um, so basically, I in those six C's that I that I presented, uh, they are, the first one is actually a cultural listening. So being able to effectively communicate with anyone in any context, we need to be able to listen first, we need to understand and respect what is active listening, so we can respond in an appropriate way when when we need to. And so it's once we're able to listen, then we can actually figure out what it is that we want to say and be able to converse. And it's being able to, okay, once we're, once we're in that conversation, once we are learning about a language, about a people, about a culture, about whatever it is, uh, we want to always make sure that we're understanding, okay, what, what does this actually mean, right? Where, where is it coming from? So it's, being able to look at things from different perspectives, and this is where that critical thinking comes in, mm -hmm. uh, and and really being able to have that, once we were able to at least gouge that, or at least learn the tools for how to start thinking in that way, uh, it really allows for so much more, and it, get, it gives the students more of those tools for being able to reach that level of um, intercultural competency, mm -hmm. and intercultural communicative competency. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but it's, once we listen, uh, then we can, oh, hey, that sounds interesting. What, what about this? What about that? So then the questions come in, and it's giving them that freedom of space, that safe space. And I say that, I, I, I mention that a lot because it's really it's so important. Uh, you know, we, students, especially the younger they are, you know, kindergartners, whatever, they're, they're asking tons and tons of questions. Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, they ask less and less. Mm -hmm. And it's not a coincidence. Uh, they're, you know, when they are surrounded by their peers and so many other people that they are asking questions in front of, it becomes so much more of a risk. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that they, are, uh, they have a safe space to take that risk. Uh, and it really shouldn't be a risk, right? It should be just something as part of our yeah. our learning process. When you also pointed out that during some action research that you did, that the majority of students believe that they should be the ones asking more questions, right? And that yeah. asking those questions also allowed them to learn more and to learn better and to to become, you know, better at cultural and and linguistic understanding. So th mm. I found that I found that really fascinating. It was powerful. It was powerful to to get that input from the students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess we need to <laughs> create a culture of listening too, right? That we need to listen to the students. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Definitely. Angelica, what what'd you say? <laughs> You're so funny, Samuel. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> Service I provide. <laughs> Sorry. Christina, uh, can you give an example of how you would adjust a topic or task for students at different proficiency levels? Sure. So, for example, let's see. Um, we are basically, 
let's say we're talking about the environment, okay? In my level ones, in my, my preliminary, the first level, right? They don't have so much exposure. We're reading a book called uh, Capybara con Botas, which is about a big rodent, the capybara, which is a big rodent in, uh, in the Amazon in Ecuador. Mm. So there's a lot of cultural uh, significance there, a lot of mm -hmm. uh, things that can also be tied into science and interdisciplinary connections, et cetera, and the environment and animals and all that. So learning, reading the book, it's a very, um, it's a very uh, simple book. It's all present tense. Uh, but slowly going through that and understanding, okay, and it's also talking about friendships and so forth. Um, in an upper level classroom, we could also actually read that, but then we can actually take the same type of thing. We're, we're learning about the animal. We're learning about the different animals and their relationships to each other, to the environment as well. Okay. What uh, in the level ones, they can make predictions. They can think, okay, what do we know about this? Oh, wow. We're learning about the Amazon. We're learning about Ecuador. What making, uh, inferences and predictions about what they're learning that way. The curiosity is they, they don't know much about Ecuador. They barely know where it is. Uh, or anything about it. In upper levels, they can take the same context and then they can uh, they can actually change it into a different tense and they can change the ending. They can make actually, having read that as a precursor, that would be very short, let's say, because it's present tense, then they can actually change the ending. They can go and actually do something. Let's make it about a different animal. Let's make up an animal. Let's make it a uh, an, uh, an alebrije. Right. I mean, they can they can really change it so that it's something more culturally appropriate for their own level, uh, something that they've been reading about. And also maybe even go further with the the environment and talking about the SDGs, the UN 2030 SDGs and actually being able to do something that way. Let's make a smarkle out of it. Um, let's OK. Hey, what did we learn about this? What can what does that tell us about our environment? How can we actually you know, what kind of connections can we make? What can we make to where we are living here? And what can we actually do about it? Something we could do about it. Maybe the animals in our community here, for example. So there's tons and tons of things you can add on to it. It's really just a question of time mm -hmm. and uh, time and energy. <laughs> yeah. When you just mentioned the, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals yeah. um, that were put forth by the um, United, United Nations. Nations. And I think it's it's and you also mentioned smart goals, right? I, I yeah. think it's so wonderful how in, in this framework and, and how you approach um, your teaching that you're bringing in all these different different aspects. Right. And that you that you don't only focus on on teaching language, language yeah. and culture. Right. But it's it's broadening the, it's the horizon and the scope. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you're very sensitive about what's going on in the world in general. And really, I think that helps the students to become successful learners, period, right? Exactly. And to become successful communicators mm -hmm. uh, when they are coming mm -hmm. out to and face the world. It's a messy world. And they're going to, you know, they're going to meet people from all contexts, mm -hmm. from all different backgrounds, and they need to know how to interact with them. Wonderful. So what advice would you give to an educator who is completely new to inquiry-based learning? Where could they start? I mean, this, you know, as you just mentioned, this takes time. Yeah. So what's one concrete thing where you, you know, you think that would be a good entry point for, for educators? I would maybe say two different things. I really think for, for anyone who's starting off, maybe a, a QFT, for example, just to actually learn the steps of a QFT, uh, there's a uh, 
lots of resources uh, on it and how to do it. I've, I have quite a few that I've put out there. Uh, and, uh, but many there's, I would definitely would definitely look into QFT and being able to at least culturally, you can do it all in English, uh, just to become comfortable with it and see what it is and get the feedback from the students that way. I think this is maybe the first, one of the first things you can try. Um, also a second thing, uh, would be, for example, let's say, you know, or let's say you want to do the house unit or, uh, or, or you're talking about the house or you're talking about something in their everyday life, being able to show them two pictures, two different pictures, and, uh, you get them to think about it, wonder about it. What do mm -hmm. they see? What do they think? What do they wonder? And, and go from there. And actually it's, it helps a lot when there's a wow factor, when there's a surprise factor. So if they're like, Oh, wow. Like I didn't, wow. I didn't realize that mm -hmm. that really gets their head thinking like, Oh, I want to know more now. So it helps to, you know, show them maybe a picture that gets them thinking. And then when you show them, let's say what that picture is actually of, maybe you zoom out, for example, it's like, oh my God, really? That's what that is? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then they, then you, then they start asking questions. And uh, it's really, it's, I think it, it's a nice gateway into getting them interested, getting them uh, surprised and interested because then they do, they want to learn more that way. Uh, another quick thing is uh, everyone knows the KWL chart, right? What I know, what I want to know, what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Add a cue to the end of that. Now that I've learned what I've learned, what do I now wonder about? What have, since I've learned all of these things now, oh, what have I learned in the process that, okay, I'm still, all oh, right, that's really interesting. Now I want to learn more about this, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really quite, um, it's, it's really, uh, can I give another example? Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, it, it just, just happened um, in, a, in a class I teach. Uh, it's a deeper learning class, it's in English through philosophical inquiry. And I had the students, uh, I showed them last week, I showed them a picture of Dorothy Lange's migrant mother. And we talk, uh, what we're talking about is beauty through ugliness in this particular mm -hmm. lesson. So looking at that picture, what do they see? They describe it, et cetera, whatever. Uh, and then, we, and then I, we go into what it is, the depression, the Great Depression and so forth. The kids didn't really know much about the Great Depression. Sure. Uh, and they, they were like, what really this, you know, this happened. So I had them prepare for this week, find a picture that shows a uh, beauty through ugliness. Um, and one of them actually two of them actually took what they learned about a little bit from me with a depression last week. And they, so they researched it more because they were interested in learning more about it. And then they, they brought up different pictures of people protesting and they said, this is, you know, people uniting together for a common good. Uh, this is beauty, right? This is beauty mm -hmm. in their eyes, let's say. So it was, it was really just, I was just amazed, you know, that they, they wanted to learn more about this, about the depression. And they did just based off of, you know, maybe a couple sentences that I, we talked about from this picture and what it got them thinking about. And that's what we want. We want them to keep thinking. Mm -hmm. Nice. So where can our listeners find out more about everything you just talked about? Do you, <laughs> do you have any, any published work on this or, or resources that I, are available? I have two chapters in the handbook of research on K through 12 blended and virtual learning through the I square flex classroom model and I square flex stands for, uh, 
inquiry and independent, flexible learning uh, with technology. And uh, there, our school, ACS, we did uh, many, many different teachers contributed to this with uh, various chapters. And uh, so that through our action research process, well, all of our, we all have to do action research as mm. part of nice. what we do. <laughs> And um, so I have two chapters in there based uh, about inquiry-based learning. Uh, I am writing, I am working on a book nice. <laughs> uh, for teachers um, with uh, different resources as well. So I hope to have that finished within the next year. <laughs> uh, it's a slow work in progress, but <laughs> it is in progress. Uh, and I do have a, I do have a blog. I'm not very active on it. I'm not a big blogger, but <laughs> I do like to share things that way as well. And uh, that's mycuriousclasses.com. Uh, and other than that, I really would recommend for teachers to reach out through the Right, my, the right Question Institute, which is uh, the QFT was uh, developed through the Right Question Institute. Uh, they have different trainings on the QFT as well as other different types of um, possibilities with inquiry-based learning. Uh, there are lots of resources, even if you just... Um, you just re do a little bit of research on inquiry-based learning uh, with language learning. Uh, there's not a lot yet, mm -hmm. but I'm hoping to change that uh, discourse. And and um, I hope hopefully there will be more language teachers who will be contributing to the field. Yeah, wonderful. Before we sign off, we would like to ask you for a word in a language that you speak, you love, you learn, you want to learn that makes you laugh what makes is me laugh yeah what is that word makes me laugh so <laughs> well okay so in french i love the word pomplemousse <laughs> i love it <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh just i just like the way it makes you know it makes people smile it makes people laugh and it's just a, yep. a funny sounding word and it means grapefruit of all things um Let's see. I think uh, in Greek, papu is the word for grandfather. Uh, and it's also a nice sounding word. Papu makes me smile. I think anyone with a papu makes them smile. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. And uh, thank you so much for speaking of language with us, Christina. <laughs> thank you for having me. Next week, Alejandra Demek joins us on the podcast. Alejandra is a musician and songwriter performing in both English and Spanish under the name La Llorona. Until then... Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.